Welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I'm Kara, and this week my friend Jordan joins us on the show. She's married to a football coach. She's a mom, a writer, speaker, business owner. Jordan and I actually don't know each other super well, but this kind of kicks off the first few interviews in a row where I don't know the person super well personally, but we did go to the same university in Abilene, Texas, and fun fact that we realized after our conversation was that I actually sang at her wedding, and even more of a fun fact perhaps is that Jordan's husband, Clark, his family and my family knew each other growing up, and Clark was the lead singer of a fake band that we formed in college. But Clark, if you're listening, the Back Porch Band was totally real and you were the best lead vocalist that we could have ever had. Okay, Jordan, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in life. Okay, I have three kids. Charlie is six, uh, a girl. Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, thank you. Her name's Charlotte, but we do call her Charlie. So and then Hattie's four, but she'll be five next month. And then Hayes just turned three this past weekend. Oh, they were close together. Yes. Okay. All very close together. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he's about to go to school, your youngest. Yes. He is going to go to preschool this fall for the first time. So I'll have uh, like mornings to myself for the first time oh, ever. Ever. Well, it feels like ever, but for the last <laughs> six years. Oh, but that's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm really not sad about it at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's precious and sweet, but he's very much a mama's boy. So, like, if it's just the two of us at home, he just follows me around all day long, wherever I am. Yeah. But then I'm married to a football coach. Clark is a football coach. So we, I have moved every year since I graduated high school. Uh, <gasps> oh, my. Yes. Not towns necessarily every time, but the last five years, we've moved towns every year or six years. Wow. And you're having kids through all that. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice because you do keep things cleared out. I mean, we get to clean out our closets every 12 months. So <laughs> it keeps, you, know, oh, that's keeps awesome. you from accumulating a lot of stuff, which is kind of nice. And then three of those years or four of those years, I was like either pregnant or it just had a baby. And so yeah. people like out of the woodworks to help you pack and help you move because they feel sorry for you. So, <laughs> Okay. I read one of your blogs, which I haven't read a ton of your blog posts, but I read this one after you minimized everything. Yeah. And I read that book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Did you? Yes. And it changed my it's life. It's awesome, isn't it? Yes. So like all my, so my whole entire life, I have had a pile of clothes somewhere in my room, like just piled right. up. And I'm not kidding. She's like legit because since I've done her thing, I fold my clothes in my drawer just like she does. I hang my clothes up right after using them. My whole house is so much less cluttered. Yeah. And it's addicting. Yes. I just want to get rid of stuff like all the time. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you hug everything and tell it thank you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. I couldn't do it. I know. I know. And some stuff I didn't even like touch, but I did bring all of my stuff to one room and it was so sad how much stuff I had. I know. I did it into the living room and I remember looking at Clark like, oh my 
gosh, I didn't because I went through his clothes too. Oh, you did? Oh, good for you. Yeah, which he's he's pretty much a minimalist without even trying. So yeah, so is my husband. He was like, oh, yeah. I guess I get rid of these two shirts and then that leaves him like four. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's kind of always wanted wanted us to be minimalists. And so he was all for it. Like, Every time we move, he's like, let's get rid of this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, don't touch my stuff. Like, just (laughs) let me do it. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Okay, Jordan, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask every guest at the beginning of the show. And that is, tell us a random fact about you that not a lot of people know. Um, so (laughs) it's funny because I asked, like, I was so stumped. I was like, what is funny or interesting about me? And I asked Clark and he was like, I can't think of anything. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Am I interesting to you? Am I so boring? (laughs) Yeah. What happened to me? Um, so I had to ask my friends and they gave me lots of material. Oh yes. So one thing that I think is funny is when I was in college, I dog sat one of my best friend's dogs who is like her child. She still has it. Okay. And I lost the dog no. while I was dog sitting. <laughs> and <laughs> the worst dog sitter ever. <laughs> first dog sitter ever. Because I really like wasn't paying attention to the dog at all. And forgot I was dog sitting. And I didn't <sighs> even realize the dog was gone. She called me and was oh, like, no. Oh, no. Hey, uh, <laughs> do you see Oxford? And I was like, um, <laughs> I panicked and she was like well I just got a phone call from someone saying that they have her so um, you'll just go out and I had to like walk around the apartment complex and find this lady and she I felt horrible (laughs) walk of shame yes (laughs) she never asked me to dog sit again obviously no yeah Mm -hmm. I'm just not and I had a dog growing up but I mean it's different when you don't really my parents took care of it and we did get we got a dog for um three days this past year (laughs) and returned it (laughs) why just you're like oh bad decision (laughs) basically Clark went and picked out a dog without me. So that was probably Okay, yeah. First, first mistake. Yeah. So he took the girls and like they picked one out together and brought it home and it was this long-haired the name was Scruffy and okay. it looked like a Scruffy and it shed like crazy. Yeah. And Clark is a neat freak and so the dog was not allowed inside. So it's just outside but this long hair in the middle of July and I was like, "Clark, sorry." This is just <laughs> evil we have to get back <laughs> and the kids really didn't play with it because they didn't want to go outside in yeah, july yeah so which where do y'all live right now we live outside of houston in Sealy. Oh, yeah you don't want to go outside ever yeah. it's brutal <laughs> i can't do the humidity it's yeah. so it doesn't work for me i sweat a lot like really easily <laughs> mm-hmm. i feel like i'd never feel attractive <laughs> <laughs> My middle child's the worst, Patty. Um, she's four, and like as soon as it's about like March, she just looks like a drowned rat for the next <laughs> six months. 
she just her hair just sticks to her oh. face and she's red all the time and I'm just like oh girl I feel you Hattie okay so your husband Clark is a football coach yeah. which means y'all probably have a crazy schedule for sure so tell those of us who don't know what life is like for a coach's family I mean I don't know I grew up a coach's daughter so oh, okay. it's always kind of been my lifestyle. I guess I was just used to that. Um, and then I actually coached before Clark coached. Clark was an insurance agent when we got married. He was selling insurance. He was a business major in college. And when when I was pregnant with our second child, he decided it was time for a career change. So he started coaching and he loves it. I would never expect him to do anything else. Um, he loves it. So awesome. we're pretty crazy busy from like July to December, but it's pretty smooth sailing from there. Cool. It's not, yeah. Did you always know you wanted to stay home? Uh, I did. Now, when I got pregnant with Charlie, it was not planned. None of our pregnancies were planned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> when I got pregnant with Charlie, I was the sole provider. He was still like he had just graduated and was just getting into insurance, which was 100% um, commission. What's the word? commission. Okay. Yes. And, you know, at first, you're not really making a lot. And right. so my sister offered that we live in her backyard in this falling down shack <laughs> and for free. And so. And you jumped but, at that opportunity. <laughs> yes. It was funny because they moved there like about six months before I got pregnant. And when we went to see their house, they showed us the the house in the back and they were like, and this is y'all's house. And we all (laughs) laughed about it like, oh, yeah, like we'd never lived there. (laughs) And then we got pregnant and we're like, "Uh, so can we have that house? Yeah, right. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So what, so you do a lot of things. I do a lot of things. Let's hear about them. I, so right now I do my website, which is jordanherald.com. So I'm a freelance writer and I write for a uh, Houston Christian magazine and they have a couple, they have Katie Christian magazine and Fort Bend Christian magazine. And that's awesome. That's just like fun. Yeah. And then I also write for Her View From Home, which is a faith-based motherhood website. And I love that. And that has kind of changed how I blog. Um, yeah. I don't write for my website very much anymore. I don't write on jordanherald.com. I mostly just write for them. And then I just post everything that I write on Facebook. So do you then like if you write for Her View From Home, do you like also put it on your website or no? I can. I don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I could put they they allow you to put like a teaser, like the first half of the article on there to link to it. Right. Now, I could because I do have some email subscribers that aren't on Facebook, but I don't make any money from my blog. It's always just been for fun. Okay. And so there's really not a whole lot of incentive to get traffic to my blog. Right. So, I don't post on it hardly ever anymore. Yeah. Um, And then I do Friday Night Wives, which that started in October. And that is um, kind of a ministry for coaches' wives. It has articles to encourage wives in their marriages. And we also sell t-shirts and hats and stuff like that. Okay, I have to interrupt here because I went to FridayNightWives.com to look at their merchandise. And it's so 
cute. There's a shirt that says dibs on the coach. And I just want it because it's cute. But I also, my husband's not a coach and I'm not particularly looking to get beat up by some coach's wife. But they also have other cute stuff like game day hats. And so I'll link to that in the show notes, which speaking of, if you've never gone to look at the episode show notes before, you have to go this time. Jordan sent me some hilarious <laughs> pictures and to put up and she answered some extra questions that I always ask on just the show notes. And her answers are, as always, awesome and funny. So um, you're not going to want to miss that. That will be up on headedsomeplace.com along with any other links to blogs or any other resources that we talk about on the show. So Jordan, have you always considered yourself a writer? Um, It's funny even saying I'm a writer because I haven't published a book. So you have an ebook though. I have an ebook if that counts that I published myself. That's cool. So I always enjoyed writing. When I was in college, I started out as a print journalism major, but I soon realized that it was a lot of like politics. And, Mm. you know, as an 18 year old, I really wasn't interested in any of that. And so I thought about switching to English and doing something like that and switched my major like eight times and ended up being a teacher. And that was what I did for two years. And then when I stayed home, I just thought, well, I might as well write. But when I started the blog, I never intended it for it to be what it is now. Mm -hmm. It was really just going to be an update for my family members on like (laughs) how my kids are doing and the cute thing they did today and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that was because I did like to write, but I was super insecure about posting my words for the world to see. Mm-hmm. So it took a long time for me to get the courage to actually put things out there that mattered. Yeah. So the first time I wrote something that I felt strongly about, I mean, it felt like I was like putting my heart on the computer screen and like just mm. waiting for people to chop it up. And Ugh. so yeah. makes me like sick at my stomach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, and, and so it was a good experience for me the past few years, but it's been a constant like, okay, I'm going to put myself out there and be vulnerable for a few months. And then I always have to like take a few weeks off to kind of regroup and yes. refocus and Yeah, because social media, it can just suck the life out of you sometimes. It's hard. Yes. Yeah, I feel even that way with like this podcast. When I started it, I was like, and I feel like almost every single time I'm about to post it, I'm like, okay, well, did it just benefit me? Is it really worth, you know, like, but yeah, it's scary. Yes. And and getting through that feeling of it being self-promotional was really mm-hmm. hard for me. Um, yeah. And I had to listen to some podcasts, actually. <laughs> kind <laughs> yeah. of focus and, and make sure, like, okay, am I promoting God? And am I promoting, like, the lessons that he's taught me? Or am I promoting myself? And make, yeah. making sure that everything that I put out there is always, like, my motivation is not to put attention on me, but always to bring glory to God. And it's so hard if you're posting things every day, like every day, it's like, okay, God, like, it's so easy to lose, lose yourself in that process. And so the past couple months, I've really struggled with anxiety, um, which Mm -hmm. is something I'd never really struggled with before. 
And I don't think I even realized it. Yeah. At first, I was I kept telling Clark, I think Houston. Um, I think I can't breathe here. Like, I think I'm allergic to Houston. Yes, I, I think the air is too thick for me. I can't breathe. And it was probably months before he was like, you need to go to the doctor and get that checked out. Like maybe it's asthma. I don't know. And then before I went to the doctor, my chest started hurting really bad. And I felt Mm. like I could never get a deep breath. And then it started hurting in my chest. And so I Googled it, of course. And um, the first thing that came up was it's anxiety. And I was like, oh, well, that's not me. I'm not an anxious Mm -hmm. person. (laughs) So I didn't even like think anything of it. And it, it was probably two days later when I was like, okay, I think I am anxious because it was yeah. when I started thinking about all the things that I needed to get done. And it was trying to juggle being this writer and being this online personality almost to yeah. feeling this constant guilt of my kids need me. And am I trading something by doing this? Am I? Uh, yeah. There's always something that I should have been doing no matter what I was doing. Like if I was playing with my kids, I should have been working on an article. If I was working on an article, I should have been doing the dishes. If I was doing the, you know, there's always something that I felt like I can't get it all done. And yes, so I've taken a big step back in my writing. And when I realized, okay, Hayes is going to preschool in September and I'll have four hours every day to guiltlessly write and work on these things. And so until then, I'm just going to enjoy their littleness and enjoy this time with them. And then when fall comes, I can more easily compartmentalize those things. And it, it's been such a relief. Oh, that's so good. I, I so identify with that feeling. Like I have my phone in my hand so often mm-hmm. and I hate that. You yeah. know, I'm like, I don't want them to just think of mom like on her like looking at her phone. Right. Yeah. And that Clark and I have talked about that a lot. And, and the thing is, I don't like social media. Like I don't really enjoy it that much, but at this point in the 21st century of being a writer, if I want to be a writer, it's like, is this a necessary evil? Is this something that I just have to do if I want to write? And I think at this point, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that it is. And Mm -hmm. Clark is my motivational speaker most times, like at night when I'm crying about like, I just don't know what to do with my life. And (laughs) and he's always like, God has given you this gift. And I don't think you choosing to do that and do that in whichever way possible. I don't think there's a way that you could be like, he could be frustrated with you do. Right. Right. Disappointed. Right. And I've, want to focus on the positives of it and and seeing those relationships with the people that follow me and and the conversations that I get to have and messages that I receive that are so encouraging um and that's so cool and I love how God can use social media for good yes but especially as my kids grow up I become more attuned to how often I am on my phone because I don't want them to be 13 and be like, well, how come I can't be on my phone all the day? Right. <laughs> because you're on your phone all day long. <laughs> so, trying not to be a hypocrite for the next 10 years. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. 
quick break to tell you some exciting news. I started a Patreon account, which will allow you to join my team of podcast supporters and help me keep creating more episodes like this to hopefully help people feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged as they live life. So if you head to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash headed someplace, you can get more info. And I'll also have a link from our show notes at headedsomeplace.com. Drew, one thing about your story that resonates with a lot of us is the struggle against insecurity and comparison and just not feeling like not you're not measuring up. Right. Can you talk about where that comes from for you? Yeah, so I am also a perfectionist, and I I think I saw a lot of that as an athlete growing up. Like, if I made a mistake, it was really hard for me to recover. I couldn't ever just get that out of my head, like, oh, just fight back, make up for it. And I did feel like, oh, if I make a mistake, like, I gotta, I gotta be the one to make up for it. And after the game, I would always, always, like, replay the bad plays in my head over and over and over again. Like, I could never focus on the good things that I did. Yeah. And so then as a mom, gosh, it's just impossible. Like, <laughs> it's <Yeah>. impossible <laughs> to be the perfect mom. And I really thought that I was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's going to be pretty good at this. Yes. <laughs> I was really let down like six days into parenthood. Hey, and... that lasted longer than, than for me. <laughs> yeah, well, he was in the NICU for the first six days. Oh, so I okay. was really dependent okay. on the nurses. They taught me all these things. And I thought, oh, I can do this. Like, I can do it exactly like they did. And during that time, my marriage was also going through a huge difficult season. And um, so realizing I wasn't the perfect wife and I wasn't the perfect mom and feeling like I wasn't measuring up in anything that I was doing, because at that point I wasn't working. And so like, I'm not fulfilled. I don't feel successful. I pretty much feel like I suck at everything right now. Ugh, yeah. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> And so like, where where does that leave me, God? Like, where does that leave me? And I think it was during that season that I hadn't started my my blog yet, but I kind of started realizing like I've depended on so many other things besides God to experience God. Hmm. A lot of that was my husband. Like I looked to him to fill me up and I thought he was my knight in shining armor. And I thought he was perfect. And I thought he'd never let me down. And Mm -hmm. then I thought if there was something that he couldn't do for me, then I could just do it for myself. And and then it turned out that wasn't true. So I, I think it was during that season that I realized God isn't just like this being that, you know, you pray to and say thank you to, and, you know, he blesses you. But he actually was someone that you needed that could come through for you and could give you hope and could give you peace. And for a long time, I just thought sin was something to avoid so I could get to heaven. And it was in that season that I realized sin was something that he was trying so desperately to protect us from. And so realizing how much I needed him and how much he filled those holes, it was finally like, I don't, I don't have to work so hard and I don't have to be so perfect. Mm. Yes. Realizing, I don't know, just 
there are reasons he made us imperfect. There are reasons he gave us holes because like, who needs God if we're perfect? Right. And if our spouses always fulfill every need and tell us exactly who we want to hear that we are, you know. Yeah, sure. Were you married a year when you had your first? Um, We were married a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. And so that was like hard times. And then you went from one to two. And what was that like? One to two was awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... We were separated for um, about four months in the summer. So Charlie was born in January, and then we were separated from May to October. Oh, wow. Okay. And I got pregnant with my second child in October. Oh. So it was like a, re- a reuniting baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was. And it's such a sweet, like, when God redeems, he, he redeems <laughs> wholly and completely. Yeah. And, but at the time it was like, no, <laughs> like yes. I, I, I wanted to be so like thankful for it, but I struggled with Charlie and she was not an easy baby. And so when she was nine months old, I found out I was pregnant again. And I was just like, I really don't know if I can do this. I don't think I'm ready and cried a lot, which sounds so awful because at the time when I'm so sad, I'm just like, oh man, like people are desperate for this child. And I, this right. is such a blessing, but it's so hard to see that at the time, I guess. Oh, totally. Yes. So when she was born, Clark uh, just got his first coaching job in Sweetwater and we were living in Abilene. Sweetwater's 40 minutes away. And football starts in July, at the end of July. So for the first, like, several months of her life, we didn't see him from Wednesday night until Saturday afternoon, the Mm. entire football season. That sounds awful. (laughs) It was so hard. And she she had acid reflux, and I didn't know. So for several months, she just wouldn't sleep, and she wouldn't eat, and she— She went a whole three months without gaining any weight. We couldn't figure out what was wrong. And Mm. I cried almost every day. I probably had postpartum, but I didn't know I had postpartum. And so it it was hard. And I look back at those months. It's like I've I've never enjoyed having a baby. And so when people like I feel like an evil person, you know, like who doesn't love babies? Like they're so sweet. And the first 12 months, I'm just like, I'm ready for them to be one. (laughs) I'm just ready. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy, I, I love this stage that they're in right now. Like when they can say what they want and tell me what hurts. And yes. and I can tell them to go put their shoes on and they do it and they can buckle themselves. Like, Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm just like, I know I'm probably a horrible person, but I do not miss the baby stage at all. No, that's okay. I enjoy it. So if anyone is going from one to two and you're nervous about it. <laughs> I don't have a lot of hope for you. I know. <laughs> Give it a couple uh, of years. Yeah. Maybe it was just my baby. But uh, if it's hard, know that you're not alone. It was that's right for me. So that's a good, that's a, that's a good word. <laughs> uh, we'll say going from two to three was a breeze. Oh, I good. really 
It wasn't hard to me. Good to hear, yeah. Um, I thought zero to one was hard. I thought one to two was really hard. And I thought three was like, I've got this now. Like, I know how to juggle. I know how to do more than two things at once. And the older two can play together and keep each other entertained. So it's not like when you go from one to two and that older one is like constantly needing you and you have to take care of the baby. So if my husband wasn't like, "Uh -uh, we're done, I would have been like, I think we could probably do another. But (laughs) (laughs) see, there's the hope. There's the hope for you people going from one to two. Yeah. (laughs) Just keep going. You got to push through. Yeah, just keep going. That's right. Okay. So you guys, I want to go back to just the hard year that you guys had mm-hmm. um, when you had your first child and you were separated mm-hmm. and you hadn't been married very long. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's like a woman out there right now who she's feeling like turmoil in her marriage and she doesn't know if it's going to last for whatever reason, yeah. what would you tell her? Oh, man. Well, our situation is fairly unique, but mm-hmm. I, I would tell her God will speak to you. I mean, like I am not, even though I talk about God a lot, I'm not like an uber spirit. Like I hear God speaking to me all the time. You know, like I just have this voice in my head all the time and God talks to me. I experience God more in an intellectual way than, than an emotional way. And I try, Mm -hmm. I try to balance it out, but the emotional part of it is harder for me. And so when I like pray to God to, to hear his voice, like it is hard for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And when I was in this situation though, and I felt like everything was falling apart, I prayed to God specifically, like I need answers. I need you to tell me what to do. Because I think the biggest fear for us wives is that we make the wrong decision and mm-hmm. we decide to stay when we shouldn't have, or we decide to leave when we shouldn't have. And Mm -hmm. I just prayed like crying one night. I cannot make this decision on my own because I have this child that if I decide to leave is going to grow up without a dad in the home. And that feels like a huge responsibility to make that choice for her. And I just remember like God speaking to me. And, mm-hmm. and giving me the answer and telling me, like, I chose you for this. And this is, mm. this is the cross that you have to bear right now, but I promise it will get better. And, and basically, like, I bless this decision to stay. Mm. And wow. yeah. so I don't think that that is a universal truth, like that you, you need to stay every time. And I had a lot of mentors and people tell me not to, not to stay, that this was a situation that I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel so weak, like that Mm -hmm. if I chose to stay, that I was one of those women that let, let your man walk all over you and Mm. let them do blind. Yes. You're stupid. Like, and strong women, strong women leave because Mm. they don't have to take that and you're better than that. And so the decision to stay felt like the weak, the weaker choice. Mm. So when I decided that I was, it was just like, 
I felt this peace all of a sudden. Like this is this is also a strong decision. I can be strong either way. And just because I'm staying does not mean I'm a weak woman. And it was hard. Like I think staying is hard. I think leaving is hard. And right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think there's going to be specific wisdom given to you on what what you need to do. And I think mm-hmm. being prayerful about it and surrounding yourself with people who are for you and for your marriage, like for it working, because I think if it can work, you God wants it to like right. God is for marriage a hundred percent. And, and I just saw during those few months, like how, how Satan just like wants to tear apart families. And that, mm. that seemed like his number one priority at the time was just like one of my blog posts is just about like how he is the enemy of, of all marriages. Right. Not your spouse. Not your spouse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because it, if you think about it, just like all the repercussions of a broken marriage, I mean, gosh, that's just score one for hell, right? Like, yeah, he, he does such a good job of convincing us that it will be easier if we just give up. But, oh man. But he came to, to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. My marriage right now, we are not in a tumultuous time in our marriage. We have mm-hmm. had hard times and I know that we will have hard times again. Yeah. Right now it's really good. And why, and it's actually funny because it's like even the enemy tries to steal that. Right. Because I'll think like I'll be looking at my family thinking like this is so good. When, mm-hmm. is, when is this not going to be good? When's my husband going to cheat on me? When's the shoe going to drop? Yeah, when is, what's the expression? <laughs> I don't I have no idea, but that sounds <laughs> Kind of, something like that. I don't even know what that means, but yes, like when is it going to go south? Yeah. And I feel like the Lord's just teaching me in those moments when I start to go there in my mind to just be thankful in that moment and yeah. just say, you know what? Thank you that right now we're enjoying this. Like, mm-hmm. and just that's it. Just be thankful in those moments. But, you know, we're all in different phases. And for those of us who are walking with friends that are going through really hard times, like what's important for a community and for friends to do to come alongside marriages, things that are, and then maybe you have your own experience of things that were helpful or not helpful. Yeah. So for a community to come alongside, I would think encourage for counseling, first of all. Like, I think counseling is like the best thing in the world. Um, (laughs) I want to have like a never-ending money stream just so I can always go. I know. Yeah. Like the first time I was a little nervous about it. And after the first time, I was like, no wonder they call it therapeutic. Like, I Yeah, it's the best. So much better. Yes. Um, But I think churches, like there are some ministries that churches have for marriages that are awesome. And if they can find something in their area that a church offers there, we went to re-engage. I know there are some others that are similar to that, but I'll link to that too in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a marriage ministry that a lot of churches around the country do and it's awesome. And I think one of the best marriage encouragements that I've received from someone else was you are not your husband's Holy Spirit. I'm not? I know. (laughs) Dang it. Oh, and it's so hard for me because... Yeah, because I feel like I'm a really good one. (laughs) I do. And what's hilarious is that 
like when we got married, I really didn't think I was selfish and prideful. And I was. And Mm -hmm. of course, because we all are to some extent. And Mm -hmm. so that makes me almost worse, you know, like you're selfish and prideful, but you don't think you are. Right. (laughs) I'm the same way. (laughs) Right. And so I always thought like I knew the right thing. And that's Mm -hmm. really hard to function in a marriage where men crave respect. And Mm -hmm. so just being okay with not being right all the time and being okay with letting them make decisions, even if you're pretty sure it's wrong. Like you can say how you feel, but not necessarily steer the ship. And I have a hard time letting go of control. And so, especially in the past five years of moving every year, it's been hard for me to say like, or not say, I think we shouldn't move. When I knew that the Lord was speaking to him to go and being like, I just can't. I can't move. We have three kids and I'm tired of moving and all my friends are here. And so I'm not going, you know, like there's so much of me that wanted to say that out loud, but Mm -hmm. I have a hard time just letting him or respecting him and respecting what he thinks and what he wants to do and trusting that God will honor that in our marriage and honor me. And if Mm. he ends up making the wrong decision, then he will learn through that and become wiser and become a more complete man and complete son of God because he walks through those mistakes with me and that I walk through them lovingly with him. I asked Jordan for some insight into parenthood and how we can release this perfectionism and these insecurities that we talked about earlier, specifically when it comes to our kids. One of the blogs that I've written was talking about the story of Gideon and how Gideon doesn't think he can defeat the Midianites, first of all. It takes like two or three times for God to convince him, like, I'm picking you. You're the one I chose. And he just doesn't think he's capable. Like, me? Are you sure? And then the whole story is God telling Gideon to get rid of more of his soldiers until he ends up, oh, I don't even remember the numbers, but it's like, 50 against 10,000 or something like that. Um, So Gideon and Faith like goes and and they defeat them through the power of God. Like, Mm -hmm. so I just I just see that as God saying like, you can prepare and you can get all the things you need and you can take your army of 10,000 and be totally ready, or you can just take what I gave you and let me do the rest. And I think I am such a person that like wants everything to be perfect and wants to strive and work hard and be prepared. And I think raising a family that ends up loving the Lord and children who passionately pursue Him, like that is a miracle. And that is not something we can manufacture. So I think Letting go of, Mm. I'm going to turn these kids into the best Christian kids you've ever seen. Like, that is not my job. Right. I think we forget how important it is for us at this point 
first to invest in our relationship with God before we invest in our children's. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. Like, I don't want to sit here and say, like, I have a 30 minute quiet time every day. But (laughs) (laughs) but if we think about it in terms of like roots, like if we're going to water our own roots, then the leaves will grow. But we can't just like water the leaves and expect the leaves to grow, right? Oh, man. Yeah. I think if we just like invest in ourselves and and work on our relationship with God and ask him what he's wanting us to do and having them be a part of our ministry instead of looking at our kids and being like, grow, grow, kids, grow, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and I'm so guilty of that because it's hard to find time, but... I think it's so important, so important. Yeah, but it is like, it's hard because we have this God that we love and we want our kids to know him and know that Mm -hmm. he's good and all those things. And so, but yeah, I think that you're right. It's like, we can love him and they can, they can, they'll know, you know, they'll know that. Mm -hmm. One of my mentors says a lot of times, I'm just putting the, the logs on the fire, but the Lord has to light it. Oh, I love that. And I'm like, yes, okay, so I'm stacking the logs best I know how and just asking the Lord to, like, blow on it, Yeah, you know, Yeah, and start the fire. Yeah, I think think it's so easy to parent out of fear now. (laughs) I mean, there's just so many things to be afraid of, right? And Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, obviously fear of failing is, is a huge one. And for a perfectionist mom that I feel like most moms are, that's a big one, like, what if I don't do everything right and I follow the wrong formula and they don't end up to be as good as they're supposed to be because I messed up. And I just don't right. think that's the way it works. And yeah. um, the the prayer, the ebook that this is such like a, a pitch right now. I hate that. That's good. Let's <laughs> plug, plug away. Oh, that that yes. ebook that I wrote, it was it was 31 days of praying the scripture over your kids. And mm. and so much of that is because it's so hard for me not to just hold them tightly to myself because mm-hmm. I love them so much and I want to protect them. And this world is terrifying. And so a lot of those scriptures that I prayed over them was just like, Lord, let me loosen my grip. Let me loosen my grip on them because they are yours before they were mine. And, Mm -hmm. um, I want, I want to encourage their life in you and not hold them so closely to me that they can't even see you. And that's so hard. It is. I love that. We're, I I thought I saw an ebook about marriage, but yes. <laughs> do you have one of those too? You're yeah. like ebook queen. We're gonna link to all of them. Well, here's the thing. They were email series that I did just for my followers. And so after I was done with the email series, I just put them together in an ebook. So it sounds oh, a lot awesome. fancier than it actually is. No, that's still really cool though. I'm just gonna tell you. It's cool. <laughs> Like you still wrote like 31 emails. Yes, the night before. I wrote 31 emails the night before. So, oh, I love I love that so much. That makes me feel so much better about myself. <laughs> but like, oh, it wasn't this perfect strategy. No, it was. Oh, so good. Um, so on that same like vein about it being a scary world and us wanting to protect our children. I know too. You've talked about like 
how a lot of times as Christian families, we can tend to really shelter our kids and think we're protecting them. But by trying to protect them from evil, we're we're actually unintentionally letting them like miss the good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you talk about that? Sure. So I've actually, there's a couple stories from friends that parent a lot better than I do that <laughs> I can share with you because they, yeah. having kids is not hindering them from reaching other people. So one of those, they were telling me that when they go on road trips with their family, so they have four young kids, um, probably like 10 and under, and they always pick up hitchhikers. And oh, I love that. Yes. And I was, awesome. when she was telling me this, I was like, oh my gosh, I would never, I would never, yeah, you yeah. know, because you just have all these, like, they're going to kill us all, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would think. <laughs> yeah. I've watched way too much Dateline and right. <laughs> I know we would not survive it. So she, but she was just saying, sometimes they get in the car and they smell like weed or they smell like cigarettes or they smell like alcohol but they talk with them. And she said, sometimes they're quiet and they're not interested in having a conversation. And sometimes they share Jesus with them and their kids are in the car and they get to see them loving on people who are not like them. And she was like, and sure, there's fear there. But I think beyond that, there's a trust and a faith in God. We would not put them in a situation we did not think was, we thought was stupid. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's discernment. Right. But God gives you discernment, but we don't believe that we should live out of fear all the time, like fear of something Mm -hmm. bad happening. Mm -hmm. And she said also that they went on a mission trip with all four of their kids, I think, maybe just the older three, but one of their kids broke their arm while they were there. And they were in the middle of this village with no good medical care. And the nearest hospital was an hour flight away in a little tiny airplane. And it was the kind of break that needed to be tended to right then. And there was a storm coming. She Mm. said, so the whole family gets into this tiny little plane and we're flying through the mountains. I think of Venezuela and the storm hits. And she said it was the most terrifying moment of her life. Ugh. It's like making my stomach turn. No, I was crying. I She had emailed me this and I was crying reading it. And she said, we were huddled with our kids praying over and over again for God to protect us and God to keep us safe. And the kids were praying too. And she said, we landed and we were fine. And a few weeks later, when the oldest accepted Christ, they were talking about, you know, like, what was it that? made you really like, what are some moments that you can look back as and point to as, as you know, this was the moment that I believed that God was real. And that was, that was the moment. Wow. And wow. I know. And I was just like, kids can't see that. Kids won't see that if we shelter them and keep them under our wing the whole time. And it's, it's terrifying, but God is not a God of fear and that mm-hmm. that fear is not from him. And so trying to parent in faith and in trust that God is the ultimate parent of our children and that our goal is not to be happy on earth, but to spend an eternity with him in heaven is, mm-hmm. is just yeah. so hard, mm-hmm. but <laughs> that's why it's so important to be prayerful about it. And mm-hmm. so I just thought, gosh, like, 
God, just give me that faith. Like, give me that. I want to be like that. That's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, Man, Jordan, I wish I could talk to you all day, but we are going to have to wrap it up. I could talk to you forever, too. Like, this is fun. I'm sitting, I'm sweating so bad in the closet. (laughs) I'm sweating, too. My my armpits smell so bad. (laughs) There's no air circulation in these closets, are there? Oh, no, there's not. And I turned my air off so that, like, you can't hear it. (laughs) And I'm trying this natural deodorant that does not work very well. Ooh, it's getting stanky up in here. It's smelling very natural in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, Jordan, last question I ask every guest is, if you could go back in time five or ten years and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? I would tell myself to not be scared of the bad things, to not be afraid of hard times. I mean, I think I grew up in a kind of bubble world where I had two parents that loved each other and I had a brother and a sister and we all got along pretty well and and kind of had, you know, a pretty cookie cutter life. And I think I, I always expected like at some point something really bad is going to happen. And then when it did, it was like, this is faith. Like, (laughs) I've Mm. I've never had to use it. And those hard times and those deep valleys are really where you find God. And I think I was so terrified that I would lose my faith if anything horrible ever happened. But I think I really had to flex those muscles for the first time ever. And um, gosh, it just... It, it taught me so much more about him than anything prior had any of the thousands of Bible classes I'd ever been to or mm. church camps <laughs> or, you know, anything like that. Like going through those, okay, is this real or is this not? And sure enough, like God was there with me the whole time. And so I think just trusting that if bad things happen, like, and they will you don't have to fear those because God's going to be there with you. And it's still, it still will probably suck, but you know, <laughs> you'll look back, you'll look back and realize like, oh my gosh, like I am more complete. Like I am, yeah. I am better because of that. And Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is so crazy how in those really dark times it can feel like, uh, am I ever going to see the light again? Right. <laughs> is it ever going to be? Yeah. And when you do, yeah, you, I feel like I, I even look back with like, wow. Like, I feel like when I sing songs on Sunday at church, like, you are good. Mm-hmm. It's like it carries a weight that it didn't carry before. Yeah. Because I've actually like seen his goodness in a time when nothing else was good absolutely yeah so that's cool I think I always kind of felt like in the prodigal son I always kind of felt like the older brother who was like uh excuse me like I've been doing all the right things back here the whole time and you're throwing (laughs) a party for that guy and Hmm. so I think like going through crap kind of makes you understand grace and how awesome it is yes and on that note, okay, so I read this book two years ago called The Prodigal God. Have you heard of it? I have not, I don't think. Oh, my gosh. It, so like, kind of changed my – because I was, like, the same way. Yeah. And it's by 
a guy named Timothy Keller. Okay. And it's it's just showing you that the older brothers actually lost too. Yeah. And he just doesn't know it. Yeah. But, and how sometimes that's actually a, you know, more dangerous place to be because yeah. the younger brother knows he's lost. He knows he needs mm-hmm. his father. He knows he needs a savior. But the older one doesn't think they need it because they've been so good. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I can totally relate to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking an hour of your day and your kids nap time because this is precious this is precious time <laughs> precious for time. <laughs> this is but so is having adult conversations that's also true. precious time so true that's good <laughs> special thanks today for music from the lightparademusic.com and frontline music produced by Dustin Ragland thank you for listening as always and I hope today you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged.